let's talk about performance-driven compensation. Unless you've been living under a rock in 2020, if you've looked into ways to increase the productivity of your field staff, you've certainly ran across the term performance-driven compensation, and certainly you've tried to implement it or implemented it to some extent, right? Because we all know the issues that occur with paying hourly, right? You're basically disincentivizing your employees to be productive. That's why performance-driven compensation works in most cases. I was recently working with a client here on the scalable method, a plumbing contractor, and he was paying his employees straight hourly. And I'm like, well, okay, what's going on with this? Have you thought about performance-driven compensation? All he's like, of course I've thought about it. I even implemented it, but it just didn't work, right? It just was not working. And I'm like, well, what wasn't working about it? He goes, well, my staff hated it. And then the staff were feeling kind of ripped off by it. And then on top of that, the quality of work that was getting put out went down. I just constantly had a bunch of problems because everybody just wanted to complete everything quicker and not do things right. I'm like, okay, well, that does sound like problems, right? You don't want to you know, be doing things your staff doesn't like. You don't want to be making your staff feel like they're getting ripped off in terms of pay. You don't want to be putting out quality. Let's look at your processes here and what you have and figure out a way that we can actually fix this because you need to be on performance-driven compensation. You need the majority of your staff to be heavily incentivized by performance-driven compensation. Uh, if not entirely, then bonuses. And I do recommend an hourly plus major bonus type of structure. I'm not one that's 100% piecework. I do realize that there should be a base rate or something in there to kind of tie everything together, or kind of make your employees feel whole. I'm not a 100% piecework proponent. In some cases that does work. It's a case by case basis for businesses. And I don't really want to go down that road right now. I want to do just a quick podcast recording on this because I could talk for hours on the difference, the different types of performance driven compensation structures. Let's talk about making performance driven compensation work here and what someone that's in the same boat as this plumber would need to do, right? How do you get your staff on board with it? How do you avoid the feeling of your staff being ripped off by it? How do you avoid the quality issues? Well, number one, you have to make sure your staff is prepared for it. You cannot just be sending your staff out to the projects unprepared for the project. You have to make sure that they're prepared and ready to tackle the project in its entirety and meet your satisfaction standards, which we're going to come back to in a second, when they leave your office. And a lot of residential contracting businesses just say, okay, surprise guys, now you're on piecework, go out there and do it. We're not changing anything different. And then some issue comes up where they don't have the right materials on the job site. They didn't bring a 12-foot ladder. They only brought an 8-foot ladder. They got to run, run to Home Depot to buy new drill bits, right, in the middle of the project. And I've spoken kind of at length about this in some of my other podcasts. When somebody has to leave the job site, that really disrupts the flow and the momentum of the project. There's no such thing as a 20-minute trip to Home Depot. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what city, state, country, or planet you are living in. There is no such freaking thing as a 20-minute trip to Home Depot. Even if the Home Depot is one quarter mile up the road from your job site, it will take you at least 20 minutes. I'm going to say at least 30 minutes to park, go in, find whatever you need, get through the cash register, get back out and get to the job site, right? And that assumes that you don't stop at the hot dog stand that is parked out front, right? And then your guys stop off at a gas station and then they run by the bank, yada, yada. When guys leave the job sites, it is absolutely detrimental. Now, when you're doing that and trying to pay them on piecework, well, 
they see it in their eyes as, well, I've lost my shot at the piecework on this project, so F it. Either I'm frustrated and disappointed with the pay, or B, I'm just going to be satisfied, or maybe some combination of the two. I'm going to be satisfied with the pay that I'm going to get on the project anyways. Right? So to make it work, you need to make sure your staff is prepared to complete the project to its fullest extent before they leave and before they go out to the job site. If you don't have your staff prepared, if you don't have a mechanism in place to make sure that they are prepared when they're dispatched, you're setting them up for failure and you're setting the whole business up for frustration of piecework. Next up, let's talk about the quality. You have to have specific standards for them to meet to earn their piecework or to earn their their performance-driven compensation bonus. I'm using the term piecework and performance-driven compensation interchangeably. You know, do know, as I kind of said, I'm not a big proponent of 100% piecework. Some cases, as I said, that does work, but I'm not a big proponent of it. But by and large, it needs to be the main motivating factor in their pay. Okay, so no matter what your performance-driven compensation is, for them to earn that, there has to be specific standards. For your field staff, for every scope of work that's out there that your field staff handle, you should have a specific documented set of standards for each scope of work. Now, when it comes time to pay them, you need to verify that they meet these standards, they meet these thresholds, they meet these tolerances, they meet the checklist, they meet the quality, whatever it is, to earn the piecework each and every time. And then, if you have an issue that comes up, does that become deducted from their piecework or not? Well, you tie that back into the standards. Was that on their standard? Or was that a specifically documented standard, right? So if an issue comes up and it's not something that you documented, that they have been made aware of and have been, made, have been trained to identify or complete to, they've not been trained to complete to that standard, that is your issue as the business owner, as the leader, as the manager. Your employees should not be charged back for that. Now, at that point, of course, you need to add that to the documentation and then tie that in with a training so that when it comes up, now then you could consider charging back against that. But if it is not something that's ever been trained to them, you can't charge back against it. And in the case with the plumber here, he had no specific standards for completing these projects. So when something wasn't done to the standards that he needed them to be, right, his was just, well, I expect my guys to do it right. Now these guys are getting, you know, a substantial bonus for completing it quicker. The more they complete, the more they make. So naturally they're going to go quicker and cut corners. And doing it right when you're, you know, needing to get things done quicker suddenly looks a lot different in the eyes of the employee. And then uh, if you're going to try and charge him back for something that wasn't to a documented standard, that's not fair to him. That's on you as the business owner. So always have specific standards for each scope of work that you are paying some type of PDC, performance driven compensation on. And then keep it simple. I see this a lot, uh, particularly on the sales side and for managers as well. People want to pay, you know, a bonus on gross profit or, you know, plus or minus variances, stuff like that. Those things tend to make people frustrated and most managers tend to see them as employees as a mechanism that the business is going to use to kind of screw them out of pay or, you know, skimp on pay, right? So I like to keep it simple and I, I like to tie my numbers to revenue. Gross profit would be acceptable in the case of an operations manager, general manager, but revenue earned for the operation staff or just total sales. Keep the numbers simple. You know, you, you're going to be overwhelmed 
with calculating this stuff, even if you have a human resources person, it is typically not easy to keep track of PDC across a company. And the more employees you get, the more difficult it becomes. So I've found the best way of doing it is straight up, keep it simple. Uh, I peg most things to revenue or work completed in those cases and pay my employees based on that to where it's a quick, easy calculation with math. We don't have to have, you know, a two hour long powwow and pull out estimate or not estimates, but invoices from vendors and pull out the hours log and pull out the, you know, project managers assigned time log, etc. You know, let's just keep it simple and tie it to whatever is going to get the projects done the quickest and earn us the most revenue quickly. And finally, I kind of mentioned this back uh, when I was talking about specific standards, but it has to move the needle, right? So there's an HVAC company that I was working with and how they had their structure set up for their installers was they would assign a specific number of hours to the project. And then at the end of the month, however many hours they had clocked, and however many hours they had clocked underneath of the allocated hours, right? So if they were allocated, let's just say for a month, 100 project hours to work, but they'd came in under it at 75, right? So the, the employee there had essentially screwed himself out of 25 hours of pay by getting the projects done quicker. They would then pay a bonus, but the bonus was only like, you know, in that example there, if they had beat their hours estimate by 100 hours, <laughs> I'm getting getting confused here. If they beat their hours estimate by 25 hours out of that 100, so they were 75 when they had an allocated 100, they would only get a bonus of, say, $200. Well, that bonus wasn't really moving the needle. To the employee, he valued his pay more than the actual time that he had to put in to earn it, right? So he may have been getting a $200 bonus at the end of the month for bringing in his hours underneath the allocated time frame, but to him, he didn't really care about it. It wasn't enough to actually move the needle. So in that case, the employee either A, needs to go to a simpler performance-driven compensation model, or B, the point I was trying to make with this one, is needs to have that number increased so that it really moves the needle. And I guess I'm going to make a whole other point here that I didn't even plan on making, and that is when you first switch to performance-driven compensation, if your staff is not already on it, you have to structure it in a way so that they make more than they are now. Otherwise, they're going to be resentful. Now, that doesn't mean that's the way it stays forever. Just the employees that you have now that go to it need to be structured in a way so that they get a healthy bonus and are motivated. The new employees that you bring in, then you can start using it as a tool to actually reduce your cost. But initially, it's not something to reduce your cost. It needs to increase productivity. And when you increase productivity, you can ultimately complete more work with fewer employees, which is going to be less headache to manage and less overhead. All right. So if you can increase the amount of work you complete and the revenue you can earn with the same number of employees, you're, you do not need to take on additional employees, which have cost of training, cost of management, cost of overhead, etc. So you will make more money, even though you might be paying a little bit more with performance-driven compensation. Now, to put things into context, performance-driven compensation is just one small piece of the scalable method, a step-by-step -step framework I created for transforming residential contracting businesses with 5 to 30 employees from chaos 
to Scalable. If you'd like to check out the Scalable Method framework and overview video and learn about the options for working with me personally to implement it in your business, look for a link somewhere around the podcast player or head on over to the Contractor Momentum Lounge Facebook group and drop a post with the word Scalable Method. That's a wrap on this episode of the Contractor Momentum Podcast. <music>